This is the Faith Center Fellowship Podcast. For more information, you can find us online at faithcenterpeople.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Amen. Sorry. I know you, there's a lot of confused looks. I know I'm not Pastor Cody. Um, um, but uh, my name, for those of you guys that don't know, if you're watching online, uh, we are Aubrey and Jordan Anderson, and we are the youth pastors here, uh, Elevate Youth Church here at Faith Center Fellowship. And, and the, the message that we want to bring this morning is, is a message for adults about this generation. Um, a, a lot of times... We go, we go through life, and, I, and if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. You know, young people don't deal with anything that I didn't deal with when I was a kid, and I turned out just fine. But, but what, <laughs> some might debate me on that. I don't know if I've turned out just fine. But anyway, uh, but as the world, as technology grows, as things happen, young people face different things than even I faced 10 years ago. Um, whenever I was in high school, I mean, you know, the hard-headedness of young people doesn't change, but the, the things in the environment that, that affects them does change. And, um, but I want to just take a minute. You know, I, I love Faith Center. I love Faith Center for one simple reason. From the beginning of time, we have cared about the next generation. Whenever I was here as a youth person in this youth group, the same one that we're pastors of right now, Randon and Christy poured so much into me that didn't really take root until I was 25 years old, but it finally did. Amen. Amen. I mean, uh, you, can't, you can't win them all, but you can win some, and sometimes it's just a delayed reaction, you know. Um, but I, I love it because if it, if it wouldn't be for this church's heart for young people, then only the Lord knows where I would be right now. If it wasn't for this church's heart in doing, ele- like in doing Edge Youth Camp, putting in camps for young people, I, would, I wouldn't be standing here right now. I definitely, it, a lot of you might not know this, but I met, Jordan and I met at EYC, at the camp that this church put on. So as you, as you can see, at the end of the day, this, this church goes down to, I mean, everything that we believe in in youth ministry, we, we've always done it right here. And we hope to continue to do that as well. But, um, you know, we, the Bible tells us to train up a child in the way they should go, right? So when they get older, they won't depart from it. It doesn't say train up your child and only your child. It says train up a child. And as, as many of you guys know, every, everybody's heard that saying, it takes a village, right? You know, it takes, it takes a lot of people. For me, it took 10 villages, but I'm here. Amen. Amen. It takes a village. It says train up a child. So, so I, that, that question, that statement just, just sticks out to me. Like, what are we doing as parents to train up children in the way they should go? What are we doing, you know, as a church? What are, what are we doing just as followers of Christ? What are we doing on a daily basis to train up somebody in the way they should go? Well, what are we doing to make a difference? You know, uh, this generation, this generation is the first generation that they don't need us for information, but they do need us for interpretation. Amen. All the information that you need in life is right there at your fingertips. 
You got it on your phone. I, don't, I Google at least 100 times a day. Anybody else with me? I Google everything, and then I try to pretend like I know what I'm talking about, right? Right? But, I mean, that's what young people are going up. I see little eight-year-old kids running around with iPhones that can, that can look up and search anything that they want, and they have the information, but they don't know what to do with it. Look at the world that we live in today. Everybody has the information. They want to speak out like they know what's going on, but they don't have the wisdom. We got a whole bunch of people on the news sitting here yelling, well, you know, I know this and I know that, but they haven't been through it. We got people complaining about things that didn't even happen to them. They're like, well, but I read about it. It's in history books, you know? Like, I'm saying, I'm saying like, it, we have the information, but we don't know how to interpret that correctly. You know, <clears throat> They don't know their why. Young people today don't know their why. And if you don't know your why, then you don't know where you're going. They have that information, but they don't know their why. And we really want to stress this morning by talking about embracing this generation. Like Aubrey said, you don't have to be a parent. You don't have to be, you know, a grandparent or anything like that to these kids. You could be a mentor. You could be a fellow church member. You could be a manager. You could be a boss to be able to influence this generation. And we just want to be able to stress to you guys how important it is that they're always watching. Have you ever heard that? Like the song, I always feel like somebody's watching me. Well, that's them. And they might act like you are not very smart. Have y'all dealt with that yet? Have you at the teenage years where they're like, yeah, yeah, mom, whatever. I don't need oxygen. Ugh. What are you talking about? You know, like they just think they're like, I know everything. And it's cool because they have Google. So maybe they do know everything. Right. Right. Amen. So uh, a funny story about Google WebMD. Who knows about that? Whenever you're like, man, I really have a headache and my toe kind of hurts a little bit. I'm going to Google this. Well, you find out you're dying. Like what? I have a tumor in my eye. What? What does that have to do with my toe? Like we need to be praying for this generation. (laughs) Okay. There's WebMD. (laughs) But for real, like they are watching us, guys, and we just want to talk about how like our walk is so important with Christ because we're being watched by this generation. And have you heard like, do as I say, not as I do? That doesn't really apply to them. You know, they end up like I've seen it again and again, like um, in a generation, you know what I mean? What the mom did before the kids start falling into, you know, maybe, maybe you said about your parents, I'll never do that. You know, I'll never do what my mom did. I'll never do what my dad did. And it's hard. You have to fight that every day to not do what they did. And it's just really important, the example that we have over this generation. And uh, Aubrey and I were looking into um, this message in Romans 1, uh, 25 really spoke to us. It says, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. And in the American standard, it states they exchange the truth. And in this world, these young people, the enemy is talking them into exchanging so many things that God has for them, just giving it up for this um, feeling of goodness, you know, this feeling good about myself right now, this making people think that I'm awesome. They're just exchanging and exchanging. And it just reminds me of the story in Genesis 25, the two brothers, uh, Jacob and Esau, how Esau was a skilled hunter and Jacob was kind of like a mama's boy. He stayed in the tents, you know? So Esau was out hunting and Jacob was in the tent and he was cooking up a bowl of beans. It says a bowl of lentil, but I looked it up on Google and it is pretty much beans. Okay. So he was cooking up a bowl of beans and Esau comes in from hunting and he, he was a little dramatic, I think, but he was like, I am starving. I am so hungry right now. Please give me some of your beans. Like I'm going to die. 
Have you ever had a kid like that? Like they come in from playing outside. They're like, I'm going to die. Like, do you, can you feed me? Like feed me. And so this is what Esau was talking about. He's like, I am going to die, please. And Jacob's like, fine. I will give you the bowl of beans if you give me your birthright. And they were twin brothers. Esau came out first. So he got the birthright. And so Jacob said, I will give you your, I will give you this bowl of beans if you give me your birthright. And Esau said, yeah, sure. What's a, what's a birthright to me if I die? Like he literally said that. Maybe not exactly like that, but that's what he said. So it really makes me think, this generation, what are they, they're, what are they giving up for something mere, something that will fill them up for a few hours, maybe a few days? And it's just, it's crazy what the enemy has been doing here. Like she said, you know, uh, I, I love the way that the New American Standard states that instead of they traded the truth, they exchanged it. And so many times, young people are, are so willing to exchange. I mean, you look at everything uh, like self-esteem and body image today. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Barna Group, but it's, it's a company that like basically they do surveys. They, they look at statistics among, among people in America today. And one of the ones that they said that absolutely blew my mind was 90% of young ladies from the age of 14 to 17, 90% have at least one or more things that they would change about themselves. Their physical features, more than 90%. And that just absolutely broke my heart because we all know growing up, we learn in, in, you know, in Genesis 1:27 that God created man in his own image and that he created them, male and female, he created them. You are, young people hear that, that this is what it takes to be considered beautiful, to be considered uh, gorgeous, or, you know, like what young people are saying, now to be hot, you have to be this, but, but each and every one of them is made in the image of God, and that's, that's the truth that they're exchanging. The numbers for plastic surgery today are at an all-time high because people are wanting to change. Instead of embracing that you are made in God's image, they are exchanging that for what the world says is beautiful. And not to mention, I mean, you know, a lot of you guys in here might be on social media, but like, can you believe this? This is, a, this is another one. The average teen spends nine hours every day on social media between Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, nine hours a day. They spend more time on social media than they probably do sleeping. And I'm sorry, I, I, and I've got, I've got this firsthand. Have you guys ever called like a young person and then all of a sudden you get like a text message or a Snapchat back? That drives me nuts. But, but that's what they're used to. They use, they use cell phones for the, for the social media aspect of the thing. It's like I, I'll call one of them and then like, you know, an hour later I'll get a Snapchat of a picture, like a selfie saying, oh, hey, did you call? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, usually... On, like on the voicemail, I said, call me back. And I didn't say snap me back. But, but it, I mean, that's, <laughs> but they, they spend so much time on social media thinking about looking at other people's lives and looking at all these famous people. And they're like, man, if only my life was like that, you know, then, then all my problems would go away. If only I look like her, or if only, you know, I was as talented as him, you know, and, and they, they forget that time is the only thing we can't get back. Nine hours a day on social media. 
Time is the only currency that you can't get back. And, and that's why I referred to James chapter 4 on this one. You know, it says, you know, it talks about life being a vapor. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. And they're spending nine hours a day on social media. And, and I'm here to tell you, like, I'm, I'm not trying to throw, you know, young people under the bus at all, but parents in here, it, you really need to be monitoring what, what your children are doing on social media. Uh, you know, I, I don't know uh, a lot of the problems that, that Jordan and I have faced with young people have something to do with social media, and if it would have had just a little bit of monitoring, it would have stopped a whole bunch of it. And, and so, this, I mean, I'm not, I'm not being judgmental, like, hey, I don't, don't, don't point at me. But I'm saying, though, like, it's, it's actually a really big deal, which goes into bullying. The statistics say one in four kids, one in four, 25% of young people today are being bullied. And with social media, with the, with the technology that we have today, you know, used to, whenever I was a kid, if you got bullied at school, at least you got a break when you went home. Now today, because of the way social media is, you get bullied online, and then 500 people you don't even know know about something embarrassing you did. You know what I'm saying? It follows you everywhere today, and these are some of the struggles that, that young people are, are going with. Another main struggle that actually became really apparent to Aubrey and I was at the Gateway Conference was anxiety and depression over this generation, and the Lord really laid on my heart a few days ago that this generation were up and coming, like being born and being grown up whenever 9-11 happened. And I don't know if you guys remember the fear that settled on America after that, that Homeland Security and all these things just popped up. And I feel like there has been a cloud of anxiety settle on these kids because they saw that horrible thing, you know, and they knew that at such a young age. And I never, the Lord just laid that down on me and I was like, wow, God, like it's, it's crazy what the enemy has started young and has been building up. And um, it became apparent to us at Gateway Conference whenever someone was speaking on stage and they said, I really feel that there is an intense spirit of anxiety over you guys. Who deals with anxiety? I would tell you right now that 75% of the kids raise their hand. Out of about 4,000 kids and it was, it was overwhelming because that was a sneaky one that the enemy has pulled. You don't realize, you think anxiety is for older people that are dealing with a job, that are dealing with all this thing, and the enemy's been working on them at the young age. They're just at school, you know, in sports and stuff, and this anxiety has been building up in their lives. And another major issue they've been dealing with is drinking and smoking. And I will tell you right now that any movie, any TV show, I promise you there's at least some kind of drinking going on. You know, they get off work and they're going to go drink. Or there's some kind of smoking, some kind of drug use. There's always these things going on, and they act like it's nonchalant. It's not a big deal, and it's just coming in their head. There's, it's okay if I party a little bit this weekend. Let's, it's not a big deal. Like, I'll be fine. I'll ask for forgiveness later. And this peer pressure over friends, like, you're not cool if you don't go to a party. If you don't go to a party, you're obviously not in the in crowd. Or you're going to get made fun of or be called names. And that really is an issue that's going on right now. And another one that ugh, it just broke my heart, the statistics, is the underage sex and teen pregnancy. And I looked it up, and it says 3% of Americans wait until marriage. <laughs> and I looked it up again to make sure that it was accurate, and it was. And nowadays, if you're a virgin, it's a negative connotation. You're prude. You're boring. Like, really, it's not a big deal. But every single time a young person does that with somebody, it's a soul tie. A connection. Can't pull away. 
you're there. Then it happens again, and then it happens again. And that is how the enemy is getting this generation. It's no big deal. That's what he likes. He likes to make us. It's not a big deal. It's one time. Like, it, it never happened if I try to forget it. And that is such a lie. Such a lie. And another one is striving for worldly perfection. And that one really um, was something that I dealt with really bad in high school. Um, I was the good girl. You know, I never dealt with partying, none of those things. But I had something in me that was striving for perfection. And who knows, perfection is not possible. <laughs> and whenever you find that out, when you're trying to strive for perfection, you beat yourself up on the inside. You start speaking negative things about yourself on the inside. I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. I keep trying, and I'm not doing good. And that, guys, like, it'll take, take you to a deep tunnel of self-hatred, and that is a dangerous place to be when the enemy has a hold of you in that area of your life. And I wanted to read uh, Romans eight thirty eight, And God says, And I am convinced that nothing ever can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And that's what this generation needs to understand, that God loves them no matter what they've done, no matter what they can't do, no matter if they're good enough, no matter if someone's told them something, like God's love is so deep for them and they need to be, that needs to be portrayed in their life through all of us. You know, we, we're, we're talking, you know, we're talking about all these, all these downsides, you know, for, for teenagers today. And, you know, it, for a lot of people, it's easy for them to just shrug their shoulders, you know, and, and be like, you know, well, oh, you know, I got, I got bullied in high school and, you know, and, and, and I'm fine. Or, you know, like kids picked on me and, and, you know, all this stuff. But, but, you know, we, we, we have a choice. This generation behind us is drowning our, are we going to let them drown or are we going to come to their rescue? It's a simple, it's a simple choice. I mean, because let's, let's be honest for a second. Everything that we do is because Jesus rescued us. And we all once in our lifetime have been rescued. I mean, it, he died for us. And so, you know, a lot of times we like to, we like to sit there, you know, and, and, and watch, you know, watch people, you know, as they're, as they're getting older and they're going through things like, you know, it's, it's cool to see people grow. I just, I just think that too many times we let young people struggle. There's a difference between growing and struggling. Um, you know, and, and so we, we have a choice. We have a choice to either keep the generations divided, like, oh man, kids these days, you know, uh, or, or we can embrace them. We can embrace them. We can take them under their wing and so the first, the first thing that we wanted to talk about today is, is, is passion, confronting complacency. Because at one time or another, every single one of us have been complacent in something in our lives. But see, um, kids grow up and learn from their parents. And if kids, can, if kids can grow up in a home that's passionate about the Lord, they're gonna be passionate about the Lord. You know, uh, you know so, so it, it challenges the question What's the environment around us like? What's the environment of our home like? Do, ki do the kids come home from school or come home from anywhere and see, you know, a whole bunch of arguing and, and complaining? Or, or are they coming home to, you know, even though circumstances might not be the best, are we speaking life to each other? Are, you know, are, are my wife and I telling each other daily, you know, that we love each other? Like, hey, you know, you, I know you're not perfect, but, I, you know, I love you. And Jordan can say that, amen, I'm surprised I didn't hear one. 
I know I'm not perfect. But, but that's what I'm saying, that the environment that's around, you know, they, they, I always grew up learning that character is who you are when nobody's looking. But when you're a parent, there's always somebody looking. So your character depends on the, like, when you think your kids aren't watching, are, you know, are you speaking life to one another? Are you, are you encouraging? Like, it, the environment in your home, can you walk in and just be like, you know, this is a place, you know, where love is. This is a place where people live, love, and laugh, you know? Like, it, that, that makes a huge difference in the life of a young person. It's, you know, I, I like to uh, say it like this, you know, are, are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? See, a thermometer, as the temperature changes, as the conditions change, it goes up and down. But you set a thermostat, and it's going to stay exactly where you want it. And even though the conditions, the environment around your house might be going up and down, the economy's going up and down, but if you're that thermostat, you're keeping it right there. God rules and reigns in this house. We're going to have joy in this house. Even though there's lots of things to complain about, we're still going to have joy. We're going to seek joy. We're going to seek laughter. And, uh, so, and, and you would be amazed at the things that young people pick up on. Like, you don't even realize it. Like, I, I've said some things before in the past, you know, that I kind of, I thought that nobody else was around. And then as like somebody brought it up later, I was like, oh, hmm. Yeah, uh, that was extremely judgmental of me, right? You know, I mean, but we all do it. Um, but that, you know, I also understand that dealing with young people can be so frustrating. I mean, before, before Jordan and I became youth pastors, I didn't even like young people. Like, no, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I mean, I mean a, lot of, a lot of people in here knew me in high school. Thank you, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, young people think that they know everything. And then when you tell them to move and they sit there and and then you're like, move, you know? But, but that's, what, that's what took me to the book of Acts. And I, and I love this. I love this because it, it sums up what you as parents and like kind of what we deal with as youth pastors. And, and the apostle Paul's writing here, you know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judah, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In your home in your schools, everywhere you go. And that, that's, there's no generational gap when the Bible's talking. There's no generational gap. But verse nine says, after saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. Remember, the, the disciples are still standing you know, on the ground. And he was taken up while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, "Why, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, and someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Jesus gave strict instructions. He said, go. But Jesus was ascending, and they were just like, oh. They were watching. He said, Go. How many of you guys have dealt with that before? With, with your kids, with teenagers, you're like, okay, hey, so this is what I need you to do. And then they're just like, uh, uh, all right, all right, yeah. And so these guys, the, these two white-robed men are saying, men of Galilee, why are you still standing here? 
He gave you your instructions. My dad used to say it like this. He'd be like, hello, McFly. How many of you guys seen Back to the Future? Right? He'd be like, hello. You, I, I set you up with everything you needed. And I was like, <laughs> you know, goofy. I mean, but it happens. That's what comes with dealing with young people. They, they have all the information they're just not interpreting it right. You, I mean, you feel like you told them all the information that they needed to know, and they're just still sitting there like, you know, oh, oh you mean now, right now, right? So, so, that, so that's what, that's what it, it, it comes to. It's like, you know, this, this generation is just standing around, and, and they're just like the disciples. They, they're looking for somebody to follow, so our passion is to show them who we follow. We follow Jesus. They follow us to follow Jesus. That's, that, that's what we do. That your passion for the Lord could ignite the next generation. We need passion. We need to embrace that empathy that even though you can tell them the same information over and over and over again, and you're still going to get the goofy looks, but at the end of the day, they know that your heart, they know that your passion is for the one true king. Amen? And so uh, our passion, oh, I was going to go, but you can. Uh, our passion, I'm sorry, I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll. I, like my heart's even beating. Like I feel like, you know, I just hit a buzzer beater. You know what I'm saying? But okay, so our passion needs to be contagious. Everything that we do. If you mess up, your, your children need to see you passionate about asking for forgiveness. If you are hitting your knees in prayer, desperate for the Lord to move, your kids need to see you hitting your knees, desperate for the Lord. Your passion will spread to them. Your passion, because they're standing there just like the disciples. The disciples got the, the, most, the most amazing opportunity in the world. They got to follow Jesus. In person, in person, they got set up. I've never seen anybody set up for more success than the disciples. Daily, they got to walk and talk with Christ, and still they stood there like, you know, oh, oh, okay, well, let's just wait until, you know, we can't really see him anymore, and then we'll go, you know? But that's what young people are looking for. They're looking for passion. They're looking for it. And the next step in us being able to embrace this generation is compassion, embracing empathy for this generation. Um, and me and Aubrey have a running joke with other youth pastors. They totally understand us that youth ministry, you have got to have a calling. You like need to have like a godly, like unmoving, unwavering love for these kids because sometimes they might drive you a little crazy and just a little bit, but we love them way more. But, um, Here's a funny story. So um, at our last youth group in Altus, we were taking the kids to uh, Winter Jam. It's this huge concert going on in the city, a lot of fun, all day long, waiting in line for like five hours, fun. Okay, and so there, we had this little kid in our youth group. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. He was this little, he had bright red hair, and he brought a monster this big. Um, and this is before we got to the city. Yeah, yeah, it was for the trip. And... Um, I don't want to be rude to this kid, but he kind of reminded me a little bit of Chucky, the scary little doll that will kill you. And he just started laughing in the back seat. And I was like, oh, Lord, help us. And I was like, look, and I'm like, oh, God, no, don't kill us. He would not quit laughing. Grace. 
we need grace for those days. Grace. <laughs> yeah, uh, another one in dealing with young people, just to show you how silly they are. Uh, last year, we took our kids to summer camp, and, and I was up, you know, uh, in, in talking with other youth pastors, you know, you know, just really being intelligent. And, um, and, and all of a sudden, one of my youth kids comes running up and is like, you know, Pastor Aubrey, you need to go to the nurse's, the nurse's office, like, now. And, and so I'm sitting here thinking, like, oh, man, like, what happened? Like, you know, the parents are going to blame me. You know, pastor's going to blame me. Like, why weren't you watching these kids? You know, like, at camp, we're glorified babysitters. But, but anyway, so I'm, I'm taking off, and I'm running down there. And I, and I get down there, and one of my youth kids comes up, and he's missing skin from his chin all the way down to his throat. He's missing skin. And so I'm sitting here saying, like, good Lord, did somebody run over you with a bicycle? You know what I mean? Like, just straight up. And he goes, well, no, uh, I tried to run up a pole. Okay, so um, I was, mm, uh, how do you stay serious in a moment? Like, you tried to run up a pole. But we, he takes me to where it happened, the scene of the crime, right? And, and, and we're sitting here, and it's, it's not like a, it's not like a, you know, like a square, you know, like pillar or something. Like, it's a rounded pole. And he tried to run up it and do a backflip, and when he ran up, his foot slipped off, and the pole ended up coming straight into his face. But, I mean, and, and we're not talking about a little kid. This was like a 17-year-old kid. So, um, yeah, um, dealing with young people can be frustrating. But, but we, we, still, we still have to have that compassion. We have to, you know, love them, love them through all the things that they do. And there are also times whenever we have to be there for them to be their safe place. And there was, um, at our last youth group, there was one girl, and I could tell that she was dealing with a lot of, a lot of issues. Uh, and we were there Wednesday uh, afternoon, before Wednesday night ever started. We were practicing for praise and worship. She comes in running barefoot and just bawling her eyes out. And what ended up happening was that her dad hit her, punched her in the face, and knocked her over, and she passed out. When she woke back up, she automatically ran to the church. And, you know, we had to call the cops and everything like that. But what I mean is we need to be their safe place. That whenever something is going on in their life, that we're not there to tell them, oh, well, this is what you did wrong. This is why you did it wrong, and you need to be better. We need to be there to love on them, to show them compassion, and show them empathy, and be able to feel what they're feeling and be where they're at, because I promise you that's where we're going to embrace them the most, for them to be able to open up to us. Because I promise you, whenever I was younger, if my mom was judgmental every time I brought up something, I wouldn't bring it up anymore. I would find somebody else. you know. And we just need to love on them where they're at and just be that sanctuary, that place where they need us to be in. And the young people, they need to feel loved. And what's crazy is we looked up another statistic that 52% of young people think that the church is critical and aggressive. 52%. I think we need to swap that. I think we need to show them love, not show them that what they're doing is okay, but love them through it and be there for them whenever they fall and not just kick them while they're down. And we need to recognize, you know, that a part of life is messing up. A lot of us learned our lessons the hard way. Can I get an amen? Yeah. You learned it through experience. Like, like Michael with the, with the pole. He learned that by experience. 
And <laughs> I just can't get, he was like this. And he couldn't turn his head. And so I'd be behind him. I'd be like, hey, Michael. Ah, ah. I'm like, yeah, that's what you get. Youth ministry. <laughs> but we need to love them exactly where they're at. You know, there, there's, a, there's a difference. You know, we're, we're talking about compassion. You know, we have to learn to love young people. But, you know, that doesn't mean that we condone the sinful nature that they have. We all, we all have a sinful nature, which it takes me to Romans uh, chapter 7, when the Apostle Paul is talking, he says, I, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. We're talking about the Apostle Paul, the man who's responsible for most of the New Testament that we know of, and he's still talking about messing up. He's still talking about making decisions and knowing that those decisions are bad, but he does it anyway. This sinful nature that comes with being human, this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And a lot of times as you, with young people, we're just like, nope, I gave you three chances. We're done. You know, but the Apostle Paul was, was an amazing man. I mean, he, he got to, you know, like the light came and blinded him. You know, the Lord gave him a new name and everything. And he's still talking about messing up. He's still talking about wanting to do the right thing, but then doing something else. So we have to understand, and we have to have compassion. And, but the one thing that we need to understand is prayer. If you're not praying for, for the young people that you have at home, then, then it's not going to make any difference. And I'm here to tell you, prayer starts on your knees. It's kind of like when, you, when you're a baby, you first, you learn to crawl before you can learn to walk. Prayer starts on your knees, and then you can end up walking in your prayer. You know, the, the best example I have of this, you know, we all have those people in our lives that we call, you know, when we're desperate, and we need somebody on our side, right? We all have that. Well, well mine happened to be um, Pastor Cody over here. I, I thought, you know, uh, he's my mentor. He's my uncle. He's, he's going to be on my side. And so I would call him, and I would be like, man, you're not going to believe what's happening in my life. And the first thing that he would say is, well, did you give it to God? Did you pray about it? And I, <laughs> would you just let me vent? Like, no. And he goes, well, pray about it, and then call me back. And then I'm like, hold the phone. Like, let me just talk about it right then, and then I'll go and pray about it. You know what I'm saying? But, but that, that taught me something that... I cannot seek somebody else. I cannot seek another human for answers that God can give me. Whenever God's the only one that can make a difference, he's, he's not going to be able to help me out. He might be able to be there to pat me on the back. But, but uh, everything that changes, changes through prayer. Everything. And so, uh, you know, that, that takes us to uh, the, the, last, the last thing that we have for reaching young people, for, for uh, this generation, is identity. Young people don't know who they are if their parents and other adults in their lives don't instill that into them. You are a prince or a princess in the kingdom of heaven. You are a child of the king. God made you in his image. These are all things that young people need to hear 
on a daily basis. And we have a whole bunch of young people in this generation that are running around and they've never been told these things. They don't know who they are and so they're seeking for it. And the Bible says what you seek, you will find. And so if you're not seeking the Lord, if you're not trying to find your identity and who God is, then you're, you're, chasing, you're chasing down a path that you don't wanna be down. And we've all been there before, amen? We've all been, thank you, Lord, for your grace, you know. Um, but it, it, comes, it comes back around to, uh, many of you know my story. I, uh, for a while there, uh, I, I had a major struggle with alcohol. Alcohol ruled my days every day. And, but I'll tell you something that I never forgot. Even in the midst of me being there at my mom's house with her, it would just be me and her, and I would be drinking, and I would be doing it, you know, just being completely disrespectful. My mom would be like, you know what? One of these days, my prodigal son's going to come home. She instilled in me, even though I was not doing and walking the way that she wanted me to, she kept instilling into me, you know what? You're a prodigal son. Your time's coming. You're coming back around. You might not know it yet, but you're coming. And, and that helped me discover when I did turn things around that my identity was there the whole time. She was instilling that into me. You are a child of the king. You're coming home. You're coming home, prodigal son. So you don't have to condone sin. You don't have to, you don't have to you know, necessarily you know, love people and be okay with what they're doing, but you can speak life into them. Another thing the enemy tries to do, finishing this up, is that if the enemy can't steal from you, he'll try to convince you to give it away. And I feel like in this generation that the enemy has been trying to wipe out their identity. Well, you were born a girl, but you're really meant to be a guy. If you're a guy, but you feel like a girl, you can go into the girl's bathroom. It's okay. It's okay now. And there are shows, yet again, people that come out saying, I was meant to be a girl, so I'm going to be a girl. Congratulations. You are so brave. And the enemy wants that. He wants them confused. He wants, them, he wants to wipe out their identity. God created them for a specific purpose, and he's trying to wipe that out from them. And it is our responsibility as mentors, as church members, as parents, to speak life into them, speak who they are, who they are in Christ, and instill that in them because the world keeps constantly speaking to them constantly. And we have to be that light in their life, explaining who they need to be. You know, that, that brings me, that brings me to the, the story of David and Goliath. We all know it. We've, we've heard it, uh, forever, but you know, David was, was sent to the battlefield to take his brothers some food, right? And Goliath was there and, and he was screaming all these things at the Israelites and they were bowing down. They were fearful. They were terrified and, and David just sat there and he was like, you know, this isn't okay. This isn't okay. But, but the, rest of, the rest of the world, they were, they were fearful for their lives and everything like that. But, you know, as we all know the story, David stood up. David stood up to the giant and he was like, you know, no more. Like, I'm taking you out, you know. But, but here's the thing that really caught me. When, when David made this decision, Saul took him in and gave him all sorts of armor to try on, and he put on all this armor. But see, what if David would have wore the armor that Saul gave him, would he have been successful? Would he have been victorious? See, a lot of times when young people are messing up, we try to tell them who they need to be. But only God 
knows. They, they have to know the power that God has so God can tell them who they need to be because the rest of us would have looked at David with his little slingshot and his stones and been like, okay, somebody get this guy a straight jacket. Tie him up. He's, he's loony. But David knew who God was. David knew who God wanted him to be. And that's what young people have to decide today. They have to know who God has created them to be, not who they, who they think we want them to be. Um, as the praise team comes up, we want to talk about to you guys what Aubrey and I strive for with Elevate Youth Church. That our goal and our what we're working towards is to build up this generation, show them that they do have a voice and that they have the power through Christ to elevate each other, not be in this alone, to be able to help each other and lift each other up in the name of the Lord. And that's just what Aubrey and I have laid on our heart. That's why it's called Elevate Youth Church, because we want them to realize you're not alone in this. When you decide to live for Christ, your friends that go party, there's other people that are trying not to do the bad things too, and that you're not alone in that, and that we can build them up and show them that they have a voice and that this generation has a future. This generation has world changers in it, and this generation is meant to be here at this time for this specific purpose. We, uh, I've been reading a book called Chase the Lion, and if any of you guys have heard of Chase the Lion, uh, Mark Batterson wrote that book, and it's all centered around Benaiah, who was one of King David's generals. And, and it talks about, if you know the story of Benaiah, this dude became a general in David's army because this guy was bad. I mean, they talked about he chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day and killed it with his bare hands. A lion. And so what Mark Batterson tries to say in this book is we need to chase our dreams we need to chase those things that God has given us like Benaiah chased that lion. And I don't know about you guys, but for Jordan and I, this next generation is that 500-pound lion. We want to chase it. We want, we want to have a fervency for this next generation. Like We want to be like that woman with the issue of blood. When everybody else was gathering just to look at Jesus, I want to be fighting through the crowd to get these young people to Jesus. I want to show them, I want to plant that seed so that one day it will come back and it'll sprout into something amazing because God has a plan for each and every one of us and it's always different. So what we want to do this morning, if, if you're in junior high or high school, we want you to come forward right now. Everybody just stand to your feet with us, please. And what we want to do this morning, if you're in junior high or high school, we want you to come down to the altar this morning because we want to come in agreement not only just Jordan and I, but as a church for this next generation, we want to stand in the gap for them. We want to believe for them that, that no matter what comes their way, that they're following, they're following Jesus. And that's, that's why we do what we do. Everything always comes back around to Jesus. And so we're going to go into this song. And don't worry, we have plenty of time. We have plenty of time. We're not, we're not pressed for time at all. But Jordan and I want to pray with these young people, and we're going to go into this song. So just press in right there where you're standing. Just press into this song and come into agreement with us as we pray over each and every one of these young people this morning.